What's up, party people? Rob Cruz, Transcending Sports, episode number eight. My guest, Julianne Soviero, resident boss, sports performance specialist. We're going to be talking about her holistic approach to athlete development, positive versus negative energy in athletes and team environments, bringing joy to the athletic task, and embracing adversity. Let's go. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. Welcome to Transcending Sport. I am your host, Rob Cruz. Our guest is Julianne Soviero, sports performance specialist. And we are going to be talking all things sports performance. Julianne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. So let me just give you a quick... I don't even know how to introduce you because we're such good friends and we, you know, we've been we've been working together for so long and as... as partners on certain projects and, and, and just collaborating on different uh, ideas and, and different platforms and stuff. But, you know, you, you have such a, a, a wide, diverse um, area of sports performance that you cover from the mental side to the spiritual side to the physical side to the nutritional side. Um, give, give me a little bit, tell me a little bit about, about you, um, a little bit about your background, how you got into what you do, and uh, we'll take it from there. Um, I am a complete personal development junkie. I love to read everything that involves making us better as people, making us better as athletes. But um, my journey to really finding out tons and tons about fitness and nutrition and the whole thing uh, began because in college, I essentially I nearly had a career-ending injury. Um, what kind and of- I. What college is this? I went to Manhattan College, which is a Division One softball program. Okay. And I, um, I think it, had I known then what I know now, I think the injury would have impacted me very differently. But not eating as well as I could have, not uh, knowing enough about the proper modalities for recovery and things like that, uh, that just that just made it so my recovery was long, was very difficult. Um, I didn't ever feel like I was in college pitching at my best as a result. And um, that led me to this, this crazy journey of, you know, personal training certifications and tons and tons of research and tons of um, reading up on nutrition and courses on nutrition and uh, everything that I could possibly do, you know, a, a certification as a havening practitioner and as a certified hypnotist, all this so that I could bring together everything to make the athlete the best they're capable of holistically, not just looking at it from one avenue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me, you mentioned that you weren't you weren't really eating the best you could. And, you know, in our audience, we may have a range of people from from parents of athletes to athletes themselves to coaches. Um, how realistic is it for a young 15-year-old athlete, male or female in any sport, 
to really eat right though? Like what 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 are some of the you know? And I'm sure you you're mentoring some some athletes now. I'm sure. And then what are some of the challenges you have with getting kids to to want to want to eat right? Because it's it's more than just them. I mean, they're not actually going grocery shopping. You got parents that have to actually buy the food. Um, like what? Very true. <laughs> so, so what are some of the what are some of the some of the challenges you have regarding that? I think most of the challenges that we have are regarding uh, breaking habits more yeah. so than anything. It's not necessarily that it's actually that difficult to eat really well and to eat so that your sports performance is greatly enhanced. It's the fact that you've already established these bad habits and your parents have established these bad habits of not um, planning ahead, which, I mean, it, sometimes when we're talking planning ahead, we're talking like spend 20 minutes to plan for that next Saturday where you know you have to get up super early and you have to drive far for a tournament and you're not going to have anything near you but fast food the next day. I mean, a little bit of planning in that regard is going to make you perform better and it's going to make you feel better and it's going to make you recover faster. So to me, um, you know, people will throw around a word like laziness. It's not even so much necessarily that people are lazy. It's that they just fail to plan. Or on the other side of that is there's that lack of education and they think that they're doing okay. And this was the problem I ran into in college. I was like, I think I'm eating well, but from a realistic standpoint, you're you're really messing up in a lot of areas. Right, gotcha. So... So, based on my experience and yours, yours too, I'm sure you know. Typical, typical uh, scenario. Okay, I'm at a tournament. Uh, I got my teammates. And it's not like we're talking about one-on-one sports all the time. If, if I'm if I'm an individual and I'm and I'm, I have a tennis match or a golf match and I'm I'm just, which is like just all about me. Yeah, I can go like go in my little bag and go into my little cooler, get my little sandwich some soup or whatever, some vegetables, eat, and I'm and then go back to do what I got to do. But when I'm on a team, it's like, okay, where are we going to eat? Because it's it's a social thing. So now it's like, I'll, it's not quite like peer pressure, but it's kind of like, well, you guys can go ahead and go to uh, Chick-fil-A or whatever junk you're going to go eat. But I'm going to go ahead and go into my, my, my little cooler bag and I'm going to have my perfect little proper meal and I'm going to isolate myself from my teammates you know like so you know what I'm saying so so I'm I'm thinking like okay well how do you get an entire team because eating is usually something that happens on on a social level oh my god I think that's probably one of the best questions I've ever been asked regarding this (laughs) because that is a very real thing and I think that's why you you do tend to see like people who uh, um, embrace different food philosophies like hang out with other people who do you know you have vegans you know tend to spend time with vegans people who you know choose paleo lifestyle tend to spend time with those people and so on and so forth because socially that is um it's just a huge part of our culture in Mm -hmm. general like things revolve around food but um i know this was a very difficult thing for me when i was um assistant like when I was consulting for a college because you know it's the same thing you're not going to necessarily great places you know in between for um, meals not things that we would necessarily recommend but 
in my particular case, I was able to kind of modify orders. Um, I was able to like maybe occasionally like, hey, I'm going to just grab something at a place next door and I'll meet up with you guys mm -hmm. um, and kind of do something similar, things like that, where the social aspect isn't completely dead because that is team bonding is a super important element, mm -hmm. but um, you're still making sure that you're not doing something that's going to destroy you. And then eventually, you know, I, I've spoken with a lot of players, and most recently my husband and I were speaking with um, a Division One football player, and he was saying, like, wow, you know, one of his teammates just radically changed his eating style and his eating habits and he's like he's just cut down his time so much on his run he's so much more explosive and in seeing that he was then inspired to change his lifestyle and mm -hmm. diet dramatically and i'm like wow we need to see more of that we need to see more of that that's really good so tell me i'm just going to shift gears a little bit you, you just got back from a trip you went yes, to a conference um Tell us a little bit about the conference you went to, um, and what you got out, and what you got from it. It's a little bit about what you got from it. Oh, there is. It was a wonderful conference, several days long, um, and it was called High Performance Academy, run by Brendan Bouchard, who is, um, for those of you who don't know, the highest paid uh, personal coach out there. Works with you know. Um, Olympic athletes, you know, have worked with Oprah, has worked with all these people who are just like off the charts successful. And he's also done the most recent, um, or actually the only study that I know of. It was a three year long study um, that studied strictly the habits of people who are high performers, uh, but not only high performers high performers um, in a sustained fashion, meaning they couldn't just really do well and then fall off the face of the earth. These are people who have been high performers for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. um, so he compiled all this research and found the habits that kept these people, and I think he studied nearly 200 countries, so it wasn't just specific to the U.S., mm -hmm. um, that kept these people across different races, different age brackets, different countries uh, successful over the long term. And um, it was just absolutely fascinating. And it was one of those things that it just gets you pumped up to be to be more, you know, and to say, I want to just do so much more with my life. And probably most importantly, I want to reach more people and help more people. So, what would you say? What would you say would be the the top, the three most important takeaways? I'm sure you got a lot of information when you went to this to this conference, but what what would you say would be the the three most important takeaways that you can give us? And you you know, and you don't have to necessarily quote what you know what you got from there, but in, in your own words, things that you wanted to implement right away. Top three. Oh, I loved, actually, as much as there was so much amazing information, probably it's easy to take away three really good ones that are more applicable to our audience of athletes. Um, and the first is really about, um, the, the expression that Bashard uses is to level up. So essentially what leveling up means is, uh, for those of you who've done a lot of personal development and done a lot of reading, you probably know that you know research very, very much supports that 
the top five people that you spend the most time with are basically the most indicative of your ongoing success. So, you know, from from an athletic standpoint, you know, if you're trying to spend time around people who are really, um, you know, they complain a lot, they bring you down, um, they're always making excuses, things like that, um, in essence, you are you are sacrificing your future as a better athlete Mm -hmm. and there's really no other way of putting that like you're saying you know there's no nice way to put it like you're hanging on to these people who are not um motivated who are not driving themselves who don't have the same aspirations you have Mm -hmm. um there's there's no way that you're going to come out doing what you want to do in terms of success. Wow, that's <laughs> um, and that's true. That's, that's true, true in weight loss too. That's why the the greatest indicator of obesity is actually nothing to do with genetics. It's actually um, the people you spend the most time with. It's their body composition and things like that. So a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's an energy thing. <laughs> like you got people around you that are just, that is? just that just that their their energy is just. <laughs> negative or or it, it could be it could be something as, as simple as attitude oh my god and you know? so that's an amazing point that you bring up because that's exactly what uh one of the other points that shard was saying is that with high performers they always no matter what career they're in again this is across races across countries across disciplines in terms of what types of profession they're in um that they are always bringing joy and energy to what they do mm-hmm. you know you never have a high performer who's like oh i hate you know right, right. going to work or i hate doing because they understand that they can essentially control their outcomes they can't control how other people react so much necessarily but in controlling the energy that they bring to the situation mm-hmm. they are making it better for everyone and so that I thought, it's almost a little bit of common sense on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's like, wow, you know, there are a lot of people who just don't do that and complain about everything they do, you know? That's, that's, that's a fact right there. So, okay, so I got level up. That's one. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm watching who I'm hanging, I'm being more cognizant of who I'm hanging around with and how they affect my energy and what kind of energy they're bringing into my realm, right? I'm, I got to be hyper protective about that. So yeah. after level up, what was, the, what was your second one? Um, and the second one we would say is the expression he uses, which I thought was really great, is bring the joy. So make sure that everything you do has that sense of energy and that sense of joy to it. Mm-hmm. So give us an example of what that, what that would entail, bring the joy. I mean, I think that we all have situations that we do not love in our lives, you know, whether it's certain people that we have to deal with who are um, maybe not (laughs) as we want them to be, or maybe with our athletes, it's something that they know they need to work on that they're not good at and they don't like working on it for that reason. So the idea is instead of grudgingly like putting it off and saying like, no, you know, I'll do it again tomorrow, that you come to it with a different energy to kind of find what about it you can love, kind of like to geek out about 
some aspect of that so that you're like, yeah, I can do it. Or for you business owners out there, that's the type of thing where maybe you hate online marketing or maybe you hate marketing in general, but you find one small piece that you love about it or that you can geek out about and that you use that to grow your interest and grow yourself and then eventually, you know, that joy doesn't become forced anymore. You really become interested in it. You know, and I think a lot of times finding the joy in something is usually rooted in your deep appreciation. I find that, you know, you have to be able to appreciate the adversity, the, th- the, the fact that things may not always go as you want them to go or need them to go or, or desire for them to be. And just appreciating the fact that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm able to play this game. Like, I'll give you an example. If you go 0 for 4, I'm, I use baseball or softball, for example. I go 0 for 4. But I, I can take that two ways. Okay, I just went 0 for 4, but man, I, I had a great time just competing. I appreciate that opportunity to just get out there and compete today. Love that. So that's, you know, like that because I love the game and that's part of the game. So I, I understand that that's a part of the process. And I think when you have a lot of athletes that are so married to the outcome that they forget that the biggest part of the process or the biggest part of the outcomes are that process and embracing that process. And the outcomes yeah. are just outcomes, you know, but your process is like the thing that you can actually control. And having that 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 outlook that you just talked about, bringing the joy, um, is is also like an, like an attitude, which and I'm gonna tell you right now when usually when you have somebody negative, they know the two or three people on a team to go to with their negativity, and they know the people who not to go near with their negativity. That's a really good point. So the people <laughs> so the people on a, in a team setting, that um, people in a team setting. That you got people coming to you with their negative, their negative stuff. They either they either looking at you as a weak individual who will allow them to dump their negative trash on you, and you need to you need and if you if you're smart like you said in, le- in number one if you're really leveling up, <laughs> you'll be able to like you'll be able to you'll be able to call them out on it and be like listen, you know, let's 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 be positive or you'll be able to spin it positively. You'll be able to say something, but if you join them in their pity party. Then it becomes something that can that can snowball, and it, it's the, it could be the reason why your team will be a losing team. That's a hundred percent correct, and I think you brought up an amazing point too. Which I mean, Rob was not at this conference with me, but it's kind of funny that he's bringing up similar points because the other uh, thing that um, Shard was saying about is to honor that struggle and to know that if you really want to accomplish huge things that essentially there's going to be struggle involved that nothing great and worthwhile in life that you accomplish does not come without struggle so the struggle has to be a part of what you embrace and you can't say like oh this is hard i'm gonna quit like you know you have to say to yourself like um an example he gave it is if you are looking at your goals you know, and you think that those are things that you're going to accomplish in under five years, then maybe your goals aren't big enough. Maybe you're not aspiring to be the person that you can truly be. Right. Which I thought was kind of mind-blowing. But it's like, you know, of course it's going to be harder. And of course you're going to have times where you really feel like you're going to want to give up. 
and you're going to want to quit and it's just impossible. But the truth is, if you're really, truly a high performer and you really, really have that drive, you won't quit. You will not allow yourself to quit. You know, it's funny. I, I, I have these conversations. I always usually start off my, 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 my camps, my, my clinics, uh, my hitting talks with my weekly kids that I see on a weekly basis. We start off with something just, you know, a thought for the day. We spend about two to three, three to five minutes on just, we have a little chat. It could be about, you know, how did the weekend go, the past weekend in your games, or how did, how, you know, do you guys have any tests in school or anything like that? Just to kind of, just, just kind of keep it, make it Pretty real. Make, and make it real, though. Make it, make it real and just be transparent. And um, I, I would ask them questions just to see how they would respond and how, and how they do they have the ability to share their responses with everyone around them. And be honest. So we all—I'll ask questions like, you know, what, what are your biggest fears, you know, before you get into the batter's box as a hitter? Or what are your biggest fears? When, you know, what are your biggest fears? And and if, once you talk about those fears, you talk about those things that are that may be a, a weaker point, and then you hear that somebody next to you has the same exact fear, it makes you feel like, oh, I thought I was the only one that felt that way because nobody said, nobody talks about it, nobody says. Nobody's no. transparent about what's really happening. So if we create a, an environment where it's safe for our athletes to be able to talk about their fears. And I, I don't really care if you went eight for eight or over eight <laughs> in a doubleheader. Like right. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. You know, my, my questions are like, well, did you have good at bats? Did you get, were you, were you able to see, were you able to get good pitches to hit? Were you able to create better opportunities for yourself in the, in the game? Did, were you able to make adjustments if you had a couple of bad, you know, up, things happen were you able to adjust and bounce back from those things why were you not able to do that you know what, what are you know so so i think you know you, you make you make you make valid points when you, when you when you talk about that that kind of stuff and i think um coaching is not just teaching somebody how to throw hit or or or, or pitch but it's, it's it's teaching it's teaching players how to how to overcome setbacks then that they're going to get so many of they're going to have so many setbacks that's right, and and how to think in the in the in the long run because really you know the adversity is is not something I mean most people in life who have been incredibly successful have gone through you know some serious adversity. That's true. Um, it's 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 unbelievable. Like um, Anthony Trucks spoke there as well, and like to hear what he had gone through, like as a young person, it was like. Who is this person? Um, former NFL player. Okay. So, um, and and to to hear what he had been through, you know, and yet still had the mental tenacity and the perseverance to overcome that. And you think, well, you know, life can be a cakewalk, um, relatively speaking, for most of us. Mm -hmm. um, but so many people will say to me, like, in terms of pictures, like, oh, well, I wish she had, you know, a thicker skin, or I wish, well, but you know what, that's not something that people are generally speaking born with. That's a skill that you need to develop the same way you would develop a physical skill. Mm -hmm. And if you're ignoring that, and you're just hoping that eventually, you know, you're going to toughen up, that that's, that's a really, really critical mistake that people will make. Because then, you know, what happens in those scenarios is, Someone goes out and cracks under pressure, but you know what? They were ready to crack for a long time. That's true. You know what and I'm finding? That's the type of I'm, I'm finding that 
people look at mental skills. They, people don't always look at mental skills as a skill. That's so true. They'll look at an yeah. athlete and say, oh, it's well. Innate. Yeah, but, but they'll look at an athlete and say, oh, well, that's just his or her personality. Yes. But that, but that's not, not pers true. personality that has nothing to do with skill development. Because that's I can right. be a really, really nice person. But when I'm on the field, I can be a real son of a you know what, and I can be competitive, and I can be have a have a have what they call, uh, what do they call it? I can be really aggressive or or have a killer instinct. I can have all those things, yeah. and then I can get off the field, and I'm like I'm as gentle and polite as a as a ladybug or a mouse or whatever it is. <laughs> You know what I'm so. And I do find that with a lot of my competitive athletes, personally, some of the best ones, um, you know, just uh, let's, you know, be clear that a lot of people will say before they met her, you know, things like that, they'll say, wow, you know, I always thought she was a total bitch, you know, just seeing her on the mound because she's that kind of like intense, focused, she, like just mentally. She, under, she, uh, she understands mental skills and she's able to get into character. That's right, and that's exactly what it's like. It's put. It's a performance. It's in a the performance. End. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it is. It is. It but is. <clears throat> but so. then on the other side of that, they'll say like, "Wow, she's so she's so nice in person. I never would have. I never, never would have thought. That. Right? Because yeah. I had to play against this person. I got funny when I coached professional softball, and I had you had people who competed against each other in the World Series just that year, ended up getting drafted and being on the same team. And wow, literally had yeah. literally hated each other, hated each other, okay. <gasps> and then, and and it was like a little rivalry where you might she might have struck this girl out, and this girl might have hit a home run off of her. And then they meet, and they're like, I never would have thought that they would have been, that they would be become like almost best friends. Yes. <laughs> can, exactly. you, can you see? Like it's just like that kind of stuff that um. It that I, that I find find amazing because you have so much in common because you have that same competitive nature, that same competitive drive, that same tenacity, or that same that same zeal zeal to win or will to win. And I think that's the, those are the qualities that help us to be competitive with with one another, but also make us we share we share those qualities, and it brings it brings athletes together. You know, it could, it, it could bring athletes together. So that, that's and that's thing. why, think about your, like, even parents out there right now, think about who your closest friends have been throughout your life. And if you've played sports, they're probably people you've played sports with. Mm -hmm. And, like, the reason for that is, of course, because you guys share values, you know, mm -hmm. because you understand the, the value of hard work, because you understand the value of teamwork, because you understand mental toughness and perseverance and if you think about the people where your relationships are fleeting you know i think a lot of us have had that experience in our lives whether it be with like um you know a personal friend or sometimes i think with um you know a girlfriend or a boyfriend or things like that where you know it's this kind of like really intense relationship and you think wow this person you know is a, is, is a great person for me and all this sort of stuff. And then you find that these values are, they just don't align. And therefore, you know, you guys aren't a good match. The relationship will not last that way. Right. True story. <laughs> so. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, you guys, you got it. You hit another head. So you got, you got level up, right? Be careful who you hang out with. <laughs> 
That's okay. right. <laughs> Guard your energy. And then you got bring the joy. Um, embrace your struggle. We, you know, you have to have adversity. We need adversity. We we need adversity we to make us stronger. To be able to to be, it's almost like cracking a muscle so it can grow. Exactly it. That's a perfect analogy. And exactly. I think, um, and your third one, what's your third takeaway from, from your conference? I would say that was the third one actually was to embrace the struggle. Like bringing the joy was like oh, you know, oh. one aspect, but then to embrace that struggle, because I will tell you, um, I mean, I think I hide this well, so a lot of people don't know this about me, but I am not a patient person with myself at all. Like, if I cannot get something, I am frustrated. I'm like, well, other people can get this. Why can't I do this? You know, um, I don't like the fact that, like, it will take me maybe longer to process something or do. So to me, the whole embrace the struggle thing was, like, a little bit of a wake-up call, but also think about think about anything amazing you've accomplished in your life. Like, this is to anyone in the audience out there. And any of those amazing things, like how long has it taken you? It's not been a matter of months, but a matter of years, right. you know, <laughs> like think about all the amazing stuff you've done. Yeah. Has that been in six months? No, never. You know, it's been years and years and years. So, and you, years you, know, it's funny. Years. you know, it's funny. Most people think of, of, um, of progress as being linear. That's and, a great point. And progress is never ever linear ever right growth 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 is not linear so so and and for those who don't understand i'll I'll break up i'll just so you you can you can go from zero to 20 but then you're gonna have to go back down to 15 before you go to 25 or 30 i and then you're gonna have to go and then, and then and then before you go to 30 you're going to go back down to 25 and then you're going to then you can now you can because you went back down to 25 now you can go to 40 but before you can go to 50 you're going to have to go back down to 30 35 there's always going to be that little setback or learning curve or that that like you said that adversity because if if you read anybody's autobiography just pick an autobiography of a person and go read it and you see all the stuff that this person went through, you will be glad about what you're going through. And you'll be like, wow, this is nothing compared. And and the higher somebody went, the more stuff they had to go through. You better believe it. And most people, most people never see what people have gone through. They only see the success. And they're wondering, they're wondering why. Well, why is she such a good athlete? Why is this guy such a good shooter? Because this guy sucked for three or four years. That's why he's such a good shooter. Why is this girl such a good pitcher? Because she couldn't freaking throw a strike for four years. <laughs> you understand and, what I'm saying? And you want to like, know something so ironic about that? What's so ironic about that is so many people will say to those really high performers who have over, uh, overcome so much and so much adversity, the thing is then they're accused of being lucky or they're accused of being talented, you know what I mean? Whereas in the end, it's none of those things. None. If anything, a lot of the time those really high performers are exposed to more difficult circumstances. They just turned their difficult experiences into something productive instead of letting it get them down. Um, and that's why it's tough. Like, you 
you know, the whole idea of I'm not a fan of the everybody gets a trophy culture, you know, I, I don't think that's good in any way for anyone's development because then, you know, you just expect things to come when you don't work. Um, and I had a conversation, like my foster son had a um, a trophy for soccer that everybody got. And I had a really, I had a conversation with him. I'm like, I'm going to be real with you. Like, this is, this is looks nice and everything like that and you can enjoy it I'm like but it doesn't mean anything when you work to get something like this that shows that you've worked harder than everybody else like that's when it's really going to mean something that's when it's really going to have value I have a lot of I have a lot of students who you know I'll put it like this it's not their fault but they grew up and were raised in a culture that feeds mediocrity. Oh man, I hear that though. And, I hear that 100%. And the biggest frustration that I have as a someone who's trying to coach, I'm trying to break through that as a coach. So my biggest, I don't have enough time because they go to school and they get pampered and coddled. Yep. They go home and they get coddled. And then they come into my into my domain as as a as a trainer, coach, teacher, and I'm not I refuse to coddle them, and I'm holding them to a standard of accountability, and I'm like why do I'm like why do why do why did you swing at that pitch, and they're like, because it was outside. And I said it was not outside. That's a, that's that's a hitable pitch. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But they have yes. to have they have to have an excuse for why they didn't get something yeah. done. And trust me, I know I'm not blind. So if, if so, the whole the whole thing is um, the accountability, the level of accountability, the level of coddling that goes on does not prepare our athletes to be able to have the re- necessary resilience at the next level that it takes to be successful, and it just doesn't. So um, so you, we're we're fighting a battle as coaches against coddling the coddling school systems that fear the the, the parental email. And, and and then they get home and they're getting coddled. And, well, I know you didn't clean your room, but you can yeah, you can go out with your friends. Like what? So and then I'm telling them, and then I, and I, so it's like a conflict of values that are being presented for what we know an athlete has to be at a certain mental, men, level mentally. We're trying to do this on one area, on one end of it, but it's not consistent across the board. So I'm trying to get the parents um, that, of the kids that I work with now to understand what I'm trying to do. So that they are, so that we we can really partner, and because right now it seems like they're working we're working against each other. So you know, and, and and there are coaches out there that will that will bow to the whim of the athlete, but the, but there has to be a standard. There has to be a standard for what we know kids need to experience all across the board. So that they can achieve their goals. Because on one hand, they'll say, "Well, I got these goals. Here are the schools I want to I want to go to. Or I want to go to. I want to be. Um, I want to be a draft pick from the Major League Baseball or whatever." Okay, well, if you want to do that, I can help you with that. But here's the deal: this, 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 and this are going to have to change. And then now they have right. to make a decision: Am I willing to change, or do I really want it that bad? Am I willing to change, or do I want to hold on to my my perfect little? Um, comfortable little world that, I, that that's been created for me from my school system and my and my home life 
And isn't that crazy? Because I think the thing is, people will tend to stick with habits that have shown, proven 100% to be unsuccessful simply because they're comfortable in that in that area. You know, and you, like, as a small business owner and as someone who really is now at this point striving to help other people develop their businesses, you will see so many people and talk to so many people who are like, yeah, you know, I've done this forever and it doesn't work and this and that. And then it's like, well, why aren't you changing your approach then? Like, why aren't you educating? Why aren't you going further? But it's just because even though their habits like bring them to a point of pain and discomfort, they are unwilling to change the habits. And that's the first thing that's got to go if you really want to be at, at that next level of high performance. In anything in life, you have to say to yourself, well, these habits that are no longer serving me, I have to eliminate them. I have to change them out for something better that's going to help me to meet my goals. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. These are always fun conversations. We love having these conversations. Yeah. This is a normal day. This is a normal day at the office for us. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the conference, and I'm glad you were able to share a little bit about, um, you know, what what what, you know, what you experienced. So, what what do we what can we expect in the future? What you got coming up? Anything? Anything? I know you got the book. You want to talk a little about the book? The, 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 um, your late, well, your late, I mean, it's not your first book, but your latest book, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. How we can get it um, if somebody's interested in getting it and reading it. So the book. Um, which I have to say, Rob helped me tremendously with the title, which I was absolutely struggling with. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Empowered Recruiting. And it's really, I mean, it's exactly what you need to know about the recruiting process. And you can get it on Amazon. It really takes you through everything in a stepwise fashion. So it's not in any way overwhelming. Um, because I think the problem with the recruiting process is that most people are so undereducated, which is why, I mean, you would want to talk to Rob about, you know, A-game stuff or, um, you, you know, things that are going to educate you about the process because otherwise you will not be able to do the things you need to do in a timely manner. You will not be able to, you just won't be able to. And then that will put you in a place where you will not be able to go to school you want to go to. And these are just facts. Um, so I made it so that this book was accessible to everyone everywhere via Amazon so that you can be educated about the process, know all the important pieces of the process, know when you have to start doing what so that you can now um, take matters into your own hands and not just rely on, you know, what other parents are telling you, God, please don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about most of the time. Um, and sometimes what like kind of nefarious recruiting organizations will tell you when they're just looking for, you know, to make that extra money. Um, and I hate to say that but that's a thing that happens and I don't want it to happen to my athletes. Exactly. So how can we find, Julianne Silviero on social media. What are your handles? Um, so on Twitter, it's Julianne Silviero. And on Facebook and Instagram, it's Flawless Fast Pitch because I do specialize in pitching. Um, 
And I am in the process of writing another book right now that is really more approaching the organizational standpoint um, and how to make yourself more productive, more more happy, things like that, that um, I find that a lot of people are missing in their athletic endeavors. Um, So that's why I decided to write this one. (laughs) Sounds good. So yeah, uh, we're on book number three now. <laughs> you already, you already know. I gotta hurry up. I gotta, I gotta get to book number three. I'm actually been. I actually have the outline done, and I got some of the chapters kind of done. But you know me, it might take me five years to write this book. Who, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I got, I got a baby coming in April. I gotta finish this book by April. That's how that's gonna go over on this end. I, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, you gotta get it done. You gotta get it done. <laughs> And congrats- I have an impending deadline. <laughs> yeah. And congratulations on that. Um, with the baby and everything. Congratulations to you and friends. And so so I wanna I wanna I wanna say this before you go. Uh, I wanna have you back obviously on the show. Cause there's so many things that we need to talk about that people need to hear us talk about that we didn't even get to. And you know, where there's so many different aspects of development that you are qualified to, to, to touch on with your insight and experience. And the one thing, the one thing about experience is that when somebody's been doing something, anything for a long time, they're gonna have a lot more to offer you than somebody who hasn't been doing it long enough. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like if I'm gonna get surgery, I don't want the surgery that's fresh out of college, cut my body open and. Mess no. up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I want, I want the guy or the girl or the woman who like has done a ton of surgeries and successful ones, of course. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, it just comes down to that. So uh, th- thanks again for coming on the show, Julianne. Anytime, and you we, know, we, we love chat. We are going to do another one, but we're going to do another one hopefully before the year is over because I really want to get to some other topics before you get so busy with everything else that you guys have going on in your life. So, um... Again, thank you, thanks for coming. You guys can reach Julianne Soviero. Um, the links to all the some of the things that we talked about that she referenced in today's show will be in the show notes on the website at complete.game. And catch y'all later. So that's it. We we, we pulled it off. <laughs>